Well, usually at this part in the service, when we get to the, the preaching part of our service, uh, we like to work through various books of the Bible. Uh, here at Grace, I've been working through the, the Gospel of Mark for some time now. We're about halfway through that, uh, and we plan to pick that back up next week. Uh, but today we're in the second week. We've been taking a, a two-week break from the Gospel of Mark to spend a couple of weeks talking about elders. Now, why are we doing that? Uh, why are we talking about elders? Well, we're a new church, as you heard Jim pray. We're in the process of becoming our own particular church. But currently we're under the, the oversight of another church. Our mother church is Mount Calvary Presbyterian Church out at Walnut Grove. And one of the things that has to happen for us to become a particular church is we have to elect our own leadership. We have to elect uh, our own elders. So we're, we're taking a couple of weeks to talk about who elders are and what it is that elders are called to do. Uh, so that hopefully we can identify the men that, that God is raising up uh, to serve us in that capacity as elder. Uh, last week we talked about who an elder is. What's their character supposed to be? What's their heart supposed to be like? Uh, Today we want to talk about the elders' job description. What is it that these guys do uh, that we call elders? How do they need to be wired? What gifts do they need to have if they're going to serve in this capacity as an elder? Now, uh, if you're new to to Presbyterianism or new to Presbyterian church government, um, congratulations on coming this Sunday because you get this little overview. Uh, but, but there are three basic types of church government. Uh, there's Episcopal form of church government, which is kind of a top-down structure. There's a congregational form of church government, uh, which is generally your Baptist churches, which is more of a grassroots, bottoms up, more of a, more of a pure democracy. And then there's a Presbyterian form of church government. Uh, the word Presbyterian actually comes from the Greek word for elder, which is presbyteros, uh, and basically means we're an elder-led form of church government. Uh, It's a representative form of church government. You guys elect the elders. Uh, We're going to elect three ruling elders. These are uh, laymen who serve voluntarily as elders, as shepherds in our church. Uh, You also call the pastor our our teaching elder. So the congregation selects the elders, but then the elders actually lead the church. They handle church discipline. They make decisions about the direction of the church and and the budget and, and things like that. Uh, so it's, it's, it, we're not a democracy, we're a republic. Uh, we're kind of like the, the United States government, and maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing, uh, but, but, but that's kind of what we are. So, uh, those of you who nodded off during that, wake back up. Um, last week we, we talked about who elders are. Today we want to talk about what they do, and what does it look like for me as a member of the congregation to interact with these elders. So that's kind of where we're going. Uh, Scripture reading is from several passages, so you'll probably do best just to follow along with me as I read through these passages uh, in your bull- that are printed in your bulletin. The first is from Titus chapter 1. This is God's Word. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent are greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, 
so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Then from Acts chapter 20, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Uh, Then 1 Peter chapter 5. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. First uh, Thessalonians 5. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And finally, Hebrews chapter 13. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, thank you for these passages that give us insight uh, into the role of of elders in your church. Uh, We thank you for those you have called to this office. We thank you for those you are raising up even now uh, to serve us in this capacity. Uh, Father, I pray that, that as we think about this, our, our time would be constructive and informative uh, and help us as we go through this process of, of electing elders. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the most prominent images in the scriptures of an elder is the image of a shepherd. Uh, but what do these shepherd elders, what are they supposed to do? Broadly speaking, I want us to think about four things that elders are called to do. They're called to care for the flock, uh, to feed the flock, to protect the flock, and to lead the flock, to lead God's people. Uh, elders care for the flock. Look at this passage from Acts again. It's the second one. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Uh, This passage, this is a snippet of Paul's farewell address to the Ephesian elders. Uh, He's leaving them. He's giving them instructions as he leaves. And he tells them, you guys now, I'm leaving, and you guys are in the position of taking care of the church. What else, notice, what else does he say there? Uh, He tells them that this church, these people that I'm entrusting to you, that you are supposed to care for now, are precious to God. They're precious to God because He bought them with His own blood, with the very blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. So they are precious to Him. 
Uh, if you were to borrow my truck sometimes and, and I were to hand the keys to you, you need to go pick up a load of something, I'd say, yeah, sure, take it, but take care of my truck. Uh, you would look at the big dent in the side and you would look at the rust and you would look at the water bottles that I leave strewn all through the, through the floor and you'd go, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take care of it. But, but, if, but if I had a 65 Ford Mustang or a 64 and a half, I think it's technically the first year, and I waxed that thing every day and I kept it under a tarp and you asked to borrow it and I handed you the keys and said, take care of my car, you would hear that very differently, wouldn't you, than when I said, take care of my truck. You would know that, that, that that's my baby and you need to take care of that. Uh, when, a, when a dad gives his daughter away to, to, to a young man and says, take care of my girl, that's, that's someone precious that this, that this man is putting into the hands of another man to love and to care for. Paul's looking at the Ephesian elders and he's saying, take care of God's baby. To take care of, of God's flock. Take, God is saying, take care of my son's bride. She is precious to him. These are precious souls that I am placing in your hands, Ephesian elders. Elders, elders care for the flock. Uh, well, on the big picture level, uh, let me ask you this question. We're going we're to elect elders. Who are they supposed to care for? Are they supposed to care for every Christian in the whole wide world? No. Therefore, they, they are to care for those who are part of their flock, who are part of their congregation, the ones who are part of their particular church. Which is why, although the words church membership are printed somewhere in the Bible, the concept is there. Who are these elders supposed to take care of? They're responsible for taking care of the members of their church, of their particular church. And so elders are responsible for maintaining accurate membership roles. And they're, they're responsible for saying, okay, who are our sheep? And how are we doing at taking care of them? On a micro level, to kind of zoom in a little closer, uh, caring for the flock means that elders need to nurture relationships with the members of the congregation in order to provide them with pastoral care. Uh, but let me read a snippet from a book that some of our guys going through leadership training have been reading. This is the, the author of the book. He said, as I sat down to write this lesson, I very acutely felt the weight of pastoring. Last week, a young woman in our church slept with her non-Christian boyfriend, then took the morning after pill. She is racked with guilt and shame. A couple plagued by infertility got pregnant only to experience a miscarriage. They are grieved and angry with God. A homosexually tempted man who recently came to know Jesus overdosed on crystal meth for the second time this month. He is needy and confused. An older couple got a phone call that their 20-something son had been thrown in jail on drug and alcohol charges. They are unsure how to respond, and this is just the past seven days. These real-life illustrations are raw material for the work of shepherding. Elders are called by God to care for the flock. This means taking the big picture truths of Scripture and working them into the fabric of daily life. Pastoral work, elder shepherding work, is taking the truths of the gospel and applying it to situations like the one we just read about. And, and, and helping people to, to work through these situations that, that we all find ourselves in from time to time 
in in light of the truths of Scripture, in light of the truths of the Gospel. Uh, One way to think about what elders do is that they are spiritual doctors uh, whose job it is to care for souls. And so you want them to have a good bedside manner. Uh, You want them to be able not just to look at symptoms, but to actually be able to diagnose what the underlying problem is, the underlying heart condition is. They have to be able to handle a variety of situations, kind of using the language of 1 Thessalonians 5. There are times when they have to admonish and correct. There are times when they have to encourage the faint-hearted. There are times when they have to, to help the weak. And always... Always, they're seeking to, to see how to patiently apply the gospel to their patients, to their sheep. Uh, in order to do this, though, uh, elders have to actually know their sheep. They have to know their flock. When I, uh, when I first started campus ministry uh, many years ago at Appalachian State, I remember somebody telling me, you don't even know the, the needs of students. You don't even know the things you need to address in their hearts until you've known them for a while. Because it takes a while to actually see what people struggle with and to see what their sins actually are. And so elders have to be able to build relationships with the people who are part of their church and listen to them and pray for them so they can know how to counsel them. I would love as we grow and as we expand our community groups to have an elder attached to each one of our community groups and say, hey, here's your, here's your flock within the flock that you're responsible for shepherding. These are the people that you need to take care of. What does it say to, to you uh, as, a, as a member of the congregation? Uh, first of all, it's a reminder that you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, are precious to God. That you are precious to God. That He bought you at the price of the blood of His Son. You are precious to Him. And He's given you, He hasn't left you on your own. He has given you shepherds within the church to care for your souls. And we need to to avail ourselves of that opportunity. Uh, Just as we need doctors who will care for our bodies, uh, we need elders, shepherds, who will look after and care for our souls. Uh, men, those of you who are considering this office, this is a big deal. Um, elders care for the flock that's precious to God. That's precious to God. So elders care for the flock. Secondly, elders feed the flock. First uh, Timothy 3 tells us an elder has to be apt to teach. The passage we read, the, the first one here in Titus says... An elder must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Uh, So on the big picture level, that means one of the job of elders is to oversee the teaching that goes on in the local church. They're responsible for what's being taught in the church, whether that's from the pulpit, whether that's in the Sunday school classes, whether that's in our community groups. Uh, that doesn't mean we have elders run around like hall monitors listening to every little word that comes out of somebody's mouth. Uh, the way they do this at Mount Calvary is the elders meet and they actually approve who is going to be allowed to teach the various classes at the church. Uh, this also means that elders themselves have to be able to teach. Uh, we do have a, make a distinction between teaching elders, those who are called and gifted to, to teach full-time in ministry, 
and ruling elders, those who rule and shepherd, but these ruling elders also have to be uh, apt to teach. That may not be standing up and preaching, but they ought to be able to, to lead a small group or to, to lead a Sunday school class or to disciple someone one-on-one. There ought to be some way in which they are able to communicate the truths of the Scriptures to the people that they are shepherding. Now, if that's part of an elder's job, to feed the flock, to teach them the Word of God, what needs to be true of them? The person who's going to be an elder needs to be someone who's feeding on the Word of God themselves. Uh, They need to be someone who sees their own need for the Scripture and and craving that, that pure spiritual milk of the Word of God. They need to be men who love this book uh, and treasure this book and memorize this book and, and meditate on this book. Uh, in the words of <clears throat> excuse me, Eugene Peterson, they need to be men who eat this book, get this book inside of them. Uh, to steal an illustration from one of the guys who was coming through the class, uh, if you're on an airplane, what's the first thing they tell you if the oxygen mask drops? What are you supposed to do? Even if you've got three kids sitting next to you, What's the first thing you're supposed to do? You're supposed to put that oxygen mask on yourself first. Why? Because you're not going to be any good to them if you're not getting any oxygen. You're going to to die. You're going to pass out. You're not going to be able to help those around you. And so this, for the elder, is his oxygen mask. Yes, you want to give it to others, but you have to be feeding and inhaling this word first. You have to get it inside of you. What does it say to us as members of the congregation reminds us that we need good teaching we need good teaching yes we want to feed ourselves as it were to eat on our own but we never outgrow the need for good teaching so we need to be sitting under good preaching and teaching we need to be thinking about what we're being taught ourselves holding it up to the scriptures examining it seeing if it's true and then taking it in and and meditating on it Ourselves. It means also that you guys need to be praying for the ones who are positions of, in the position of teaching. That they would teach carefully and faithfully and accurately the Word of God. Elders care for the flock. Elders feed the flock. Thirdly, elders protect the flock. Uh, the last Jurassic Park movie, I think it was the last one, uh, there's a scene toward the beginning where you know the velociraptors are in a cage and one of the guys working on the cage falls into the cage and everybody's getting ready to shoot the velociraptors and the, the trainer says, hold up, and he jumps into the cage between the velociraptors and this employee and he, he gets him out and he stops them from shooting the velociraptors because those are actually his sheep too. And so he, he, he backs out of the cage and he, he saves everybody in that situation. Everybody is okay. He risked his life for the employee and he risked his life for the velociraptors. Now, some of you are like employees and some of you are like velociraptors. I'm not going to say which. Um, I'm just kidding. But that's what elders are called to do, though. They, they are called to protect the flock to put themselves in harm's way for the good of the flock. Uh, One of the ways that elders are called to do this is by guarding the church from false teaching. And it's not always popular to to oppose false teaching because false teaching uh, can be very popular. And and sheep can tend to follow after false teaching in great numbers. 
Uh, a, few years in, uh, a few years ago in Turkey, the story is told that a single sheep wandered over a cliff. No big deal, right? But then another one followed it, and another one followed it, and another one followed it, and eventually there were 1,500 sheep that had wandered over this cliff. 450 of them died. Uh, the ones at the back were kind of cushioned to blow, so... So the lesson is don't fall quickly, I guess. But anyway, um, sheep, sheep can tend to be followers, all right? And they can, they, can, they can give heed when they shouldn't to false teaching, which is what Paul warns in, in, in Acts 20. Uh, know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. If you read the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus, they're filled with these warnings about false teaching. Uh, John chapter 10, Jesus says, the shepherd's not the one that runs away when the flock's in danger. That's the hireling. The good shepherd is the one who will lay down his life for the sheep. Uh, What does that look like again? Uh, Big picture level, practically speaking. Uh, When I came into this presbytery, which is the group of PCA churches kind of in the upstate of South Carolina, my teaching was examined. My doctrine was examined. These other elders wanted to know that I was sound in the faith. The elders that we vote on will have been examined. We want to know that they are going to be sound in the faith. In the future, when we elect more elders, they will be examined as well. We want to know that they are of sound doctrine. We want to know they'll be of sound doctrine. We want men who will be able to discern truth from error. Uh, to be discerning about what good teaching is and bad teaching is. Uh, on a down-close level again, uh, this again is a reason that the elders need to know their flock. They need to know their sheep. Uh, Richard Baxter once wrote, We need to know what are the sins of which they are most in danger, and what duties are they most apt to neglect, and what temptations are they most liable to. For if we know not their temperament or disease, we are, likely, we are not likely to, to prove successful physicians. So you want elders who will protect us from false teaching, but we want, also want elders who will protect us from ourselves and our own tendency to wander away from the truth. Uh, we want men who are not afraid to correct us, to come after us when we stray. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 18 says, If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go look for that one who wandered off? We want elders who are willing to do that. Uh, Part of an elder's protecting the flock includes rebuke uh, and correction. Galatians 6, if, if your brother is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, restore them. Uh, but carefully so you too don't get caught up in it. Uh, this hopefully normally just happens on an uh, informal level, one-to-one level, but at times uh, there are more formal situations of church discipline where elders as a group have to say to a member of a congregation, we don't think you need to be taking the Lord's Supper right now because we see things in your life that we're not convinced you're really following after Jesus and you need to consider that. At the most extreme end, an elders can say to a member of the congregation, we excommunicate you from the congregation, not because we're mad at you, because, but because we see nothing in your life that indicates that you love Jesus. And you need to know that you need to go off and wrestle with that. And hopefully that's something we don't 
come to you or come to you very seldom. But that is part of an elder's job description. They have to, to do these hard things and have hard conversations at times with those who are, who are straying and those who are wandering from Jesus. So when we select elders, we want elders who are gentle, but at the same time who are bold. Uh, you want to select men who aren't afraid to confront you when you need to be confronted. And you want to select people that you actually listen to. That you think, I, I think I will be able to hear them when they speak into my life, even in a way that, that challenges me. You want men of sound doctrine who will protect us from false teachers. So elders care for the flock. Uh, they feed the flock. They protect the flock. And then the last thing, elders lead the flock. First Thessalonians 5, it's the, the second to the last passage. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And then Hebrews 13, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Alright, let's, let's be honest here. Uh, we are a culture who does not have much use for authority. Um, I, I, I don't have much use for authority. We kind of want to. We want to do our own thing. But it's obvious from the scriptures that God puts certain people in position in positions of spiritual authority over us, and we're called to submit to their authority. Now, that doesn't mean elders are called to be authoritarian. It doesn't mean that the elders get to tell you who to cheer for when Clemson plays Auburn. Although I would encourage you to follow your pastor's example. Uh, elders, though, are not, they're not called to, to micromanage your life. They're not called to micromanage your life or to rule your life. But they have what our Book of Church order calls a ministerial and declarative authority. In other words, as pastors... They are to declare to you the Word of God. And insofar as what they are saying to you is consistent with the Word of God, uh, then you as, as someone under an elder is called to submit to that. Uh, and, and, and we're called to submit to that um, in a way that brings our elders joy and not groaning, is what uh, the passage in Hebrews says. And elders have to give an account for how they kept the watch over your souls, which makes me want to quit. I mean, like that, like really. Um, so, what does this what does it look like to for elders? In if we're under their authority and they're supposed to be leading us as a congregation, big picture level, uh, that that looks like vision casting, uh, establishing a philosophy of ministry for our church, making decisions related to the budget, related to the church as a whole. That kind of running the church, big picture level kind of stuff. On a micro level, it looks like elders being examples. Uh, it looks like elders giving instruction. It looks like elders equipping the saints. Just the simple things like that. But elders lead. Elders lead. Elders are called to, to lead the congregation. Uh, there was a, um, there's a, there's a story of a group of tourists in Israel. And they're driving along through the, through the countryside... And they see a group of sheep with a shepherd. And the tour guide says, see that over there? 
you'll always see the shepherd in the front of the flock. Anytime you pass a group of sheep with a shepherd, the shepherd is always going to be in front of the flock. And they're going, okay, that's interesting. And so they drive a little bit further and they pass another herd of sheep, flock of sheep, and the shepherd's at the back of the flock. And of course, everybody's like, hey, 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 you just said, well, and he said, well, hang on. So he stops the bus and he gets out and he runs and he talks to the guy. And he gets back on the bus and he says, that one, the shepherd. That was the butcher. <laughs> that, was, that was the butcher. Because the shepherds always lead the sheep. They lead the sheep. Shepherds lead. And one of the most fundamental ways they do that is by giving up their lives for the sheep. Laying down their own life as their Savior has done so that they live out the gospel. So that they follow Jesus' example. And so that they point their congregation, those they shepherd, back to Jesus and what he has done. Uh, so pray. That's our assignment right now. Pray that God would raise up for us leaders to be elders at Grace Presbyterian Church. Elders who care for the flock, who care for us, who feed us, who protect us, and who lead us in laying down their lives. Uh, let me pray for us. Father in heaven, um, thank you that you've set up a structure for your church uh, and that we don't have to figure this thing out on our own. And thank you that you do gifts and equip men to, to serve as, as shepherds over us. We do pray uh, for those you're raising up even now that you would give them skill uh, and confidence and ability in the work you're calling them to do. We pray that you continue to shape uh, their character. Uh, and we pray that you'd help us to recognize who these men are and, and elect them and, and willingly uh, follow their lead. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.